And even you, most gentle death, waiting to hush our final breath, praise him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thinking as we gather here, just almost perfectly, the flowers would please her, the appointments would please her, your presence would please her. I know, I think, I think to live long, to live well, and have all y'all here to say goodbye, that's all by itself, that's the testimony. The other day I heard someone say something that I just don't think is true. Standing in the line of the grocery store and talking about a friend who had died some weeks ago and this person said, you know, I just don't think it's ever a tragedy when an old man or an older woman dies. And I understood what he was saying. Tragedies for him were comprised of war victims of boating accidents, drug overdoses, generally anyone dying before their time, but an older person who had lived a long life, presumably a good life. What else could you ask for, thought my friend, no tragedy here. But I want to say this feels in some ways tragic to me. Gertrude may have lived long, she certainly lived well. She may have left behind a professional and family legacy that few could hope for, but precisely because of that particular gathering of talent and love and gentleness and humility, all in one woman, precisely because she had this way of being all things to all people, it feels tragic to lose her, even if death came in her time. Gertrude is someone that you miss when she's not in the room. Not because her personality filled the room, but rather because her first and last words on your entering and leaving so grabbed your heart that you were somehow drawn into her presence and simply wanted more, even if it came in silent companionship for a moment. She spoke like she knew you, or at least like she wanted to know you, deep down. Gertrude was a woman that young women admired. Not perfect, not, not a saint, except by the blood of Jesus, no. But young women admired her. They looked up to her, they sought her counsel. She cared for nature, she advocated for the protection and advancement of women, a leadership that was quiet, steady, without waver. She was someone you could count on who would be there, who would have your back if you needed that. But for, for all her humility, 
Gertrude also had a, a side, I, I would say a side, where she invariably believed she had a better idea. She led boards like that. She, she loved the beauty of Middle Tennessee and nature like that, adored her place in Beersheba like that, never gave up on those who were lost like that. She had a better idea for them. Never gave up on those who needed a hand up. And in time, she would be honored just at every turn. The Gertrude Caldwell Legacy Society, her work with the YWCA, USN, the Junior League, they, they, they would lead her to be one of the most influential women in Nashville, so named in 1995. The, the, the phrase that caught me in her obituary, I thank the family for this, the phrase that caught me, this wonderful juxtaposition, did you notice? Determined and gracious. You know, you can just think of numerous circumstances in which those just simply don't go together. You know people who are determined but not gracious. You know people who are gracious but not determined and yet they came together in the one woman. She was giving of her, herself right up into the air, very end. She, she wanted to know the clergy at her home parish from, from Tom Ward to Jeffrey and Anne to Ken, Dolores, Lissa, Madeline, even in these latter days, me. In, in an ideal world, she might have had them all back to fet her and to be uh, honorary pallbearers today. She, she wanted to talk and pray and wonder about the great mysteries of life, to love God even in the midst of things she couldn't always understand. It's that giving of herself that carried through even to her last breath. When dropping by for a visit last week, Trudy invited me to her bedside. Speech was fading, but she was still there. She recognized us, nodding, ever gracious. I think I said something along the lines of, you know, if you were all here, you'd be trying to entertain us right now, Gertrude, but please just rest, just breathe deeply. She was simple in that moment. She was elegant in that moment and yet somehow also understated. Later the next day, Trudy called and Gertrude had died. We came and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. We, we prayed, depart, O Christian soul, out of this world in the name of the God who created you, who redeemed you, who sanctified you. May your rest this day be in paradise and your dwelling place at the side of God put my hand on her head, commented to her, Gertrude, you've got a full head of hair. There's not a wrinkle on your face. I know you're proud of this. Coming from a generation where you didn't go to the grocery store with curlers in your hair, this was a moment, oh, that she'd worked for almost. She was radiant as she met her maker. If 
it weren't for the alleluias that the liturgy directs us to say, I, I might despair in this moment. If it, weren't, if it weren't for Christ's resurrection from the dead, this loss might well overcome me. If it weren't for the promise of the communion of saints, I might well be paralyzed in the midst of adversity. If it weren't for Gertrude's faithful practice of the nearness of God, I might otherwise think of this as tragic. But as it is, I choose joy in this moment. The loss may be great, but the promise is greater. I choose joy, thanking God for the blessing of Gertrude, for her life, and for the hope of Christ's resurrection. Gertrude, into paradise may the angels lead you. At your coming, may the martyrs receive you and bring you to the holy city, Jerusalem, May the choirs of angels welcome you. And with Lazarus, who once was poor, may you have peace everlasting. Amen.